talking about Christian faith. Faith in what we believe. You can have faith in a lot of things. Uh, I walked into the room back here this morning and without even thinking about it, I hit the light switch and even not being conscious, I had faith that that light would come on. Out of what? By past experience of what happens when you hit the light switch that it will also come true in the future. When I flip that light switch, it'll come on. We exercise faith when we walk in here this morning. We had faith that when you walk through that doorway that the work that Dewey did would stand. It wouldn't fall on your head. You didn't think about it. But I knew it would because I went under it the other day and didn't even realize I walked through it. Just, I knew something was different. This is, I'm going to admit to you a couple of things here. I knew something was different. I walked in and I thought, what's different? Walked right by it. Don't laugh. But I did. I, I never did notice it. And, you know, Gloria sent me a text and I still didn't put two and two together. And uh, so I had, I had to come back in here once she told me. And, and I thought, well, yeah, the picture in the text is the same thing I'm looking at here. But I still didn't put it together. That's pretty bad. You really ought to be more aware of your surroundings. you know. <laughs> but uh, faith, what, what is faith? Again, it's not a blank check to God. It's, it's uh, a lot deeper than that. It's a lot more than that. But I want us to look at faith from Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read first, probably about the first eight verses, and then we'll get back to the first three verses a little bit later on. Beginning in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, Now faith is, is means equal to. We say two times four is eight. Two times four is equal to eight. So it's the same word here. Now faith is equal to the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, we know from experience, we know from evidence that God spoke the worlds in the order. They were not made by things that were visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Boy, what a way to go. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the context of our talking of faith this morning is based on what we believe as Christians. Not something that's conjured up in our mind, but it's based on what we believe as Christians. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And you can go on and read through the rest of this text and it's over and over and over by faith. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah. Uh, Verse 17, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac in verse 20. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. It's the chapter of faith. So if we're going to if we're going to do anything of greatness for God, and we have examples right here, those who have gone before us, what's it going to be? Done by it's going to be done by faith. We're going to step out realizing that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he'll do, and that we can believe by faith those things will come to pass. By faith. Living a life of faith. What does that mean? I can have faith today because I've seen God work in my life in the past. I know what He's done in the past, and I can have faith that He's going to continue to do what He said He'll do. An English preacher in India was preaching through an interpreter one day, and he began his sermon on faith with this sentence. Now, faith is both abstract and concrete. In other words, just can't see it. We can see it. It's both. And he paused for the interpreter, and the interpreter translating what had been said replied this. So far, the preacher hadn't said anything, but when he has, I'll let you know. He basically, in our human thinking, had contradicted himself. How can it be something that we can see? It can be this Bible, and that's what we base our faith on, is the Word of God. And it can be something that's not seen. It's a word that's used 244 times in the New Testament. Oh, I was going to challenge you guys. Let's start right now. I want you to try to catch every time I say the word faith and count those. Mark them down in your notebook, on a piece of paper, whatever you have there to work with. I know you have a notebook. And try to see how many times I say the word faith. All right? It would be interesting for me to know that at the end of the service. All right? So that there's, there's you a good listening point. Um, but it's a word that's used 244 times. So it's used a lot in, in the, just in the New Testament. Something that I found kind of interesting and really kind of odd is that John, the writer of one of the four Gospels and the writer of three epistles, did not use the word at all. And I wonder if it's because he was so close to Jesus that he never really thought about faith. Think about that in our own thinking. 
You know, we come in, we sit down on that bench. We don't think about faith that that bench will hold us up. We drive through a an intersection in town, and there's a stop sign over here, and there's a stop sign over here, and there's one at every part of that intersection, and we stop. And most of the time, we don't even think about the other three parts of that intersection. That's why we have accidents, because we stop, we just think that everybody else is going to stop. We don't even really think about that until it happens, and then, then we think about it. But faith, when we have concrete confidence in something, that it's almost as though it's already happened. We can have confidence in it. It's a conviction of the truth of anything. Relating to God, I'm, and I'm just working through some definition here. The conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. And relating to Christ, it's faith that, or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation to the kingdom of God. Confidence. Faith. One day a woman was rushing around. She had lots of errands to do and... She was rushing home from the doctor's appointment. The doctor's appointment had taken a lot longer than she had expected, and the lab work took longer. And you know how that goes when you go to the doctor. She found herself way behind schedule. She had to go pick up the kids at school, but she still needed to go by uh, Walmart and pick up a prescription. Not a good thing. She knew she had kids at the babysitter and she was trying to make it. It was Wednesday night and she had to make prayer meeting at the church. And she began to circle the busy Walmart and she prayed this. And, and many of us have done the very same thing. God just helped her be a parking place up close. And that's not an, something that we shouldn't pray for. We should ask God to intervene in our little things that, that get so big sometimes. And so... She was looking for a place, and just as she began to pray, of all things, it started pouring down rain. So she prayed this little prayer, Lord, you know what kind of day I've had, and there's still an awful lot to do. Could you please grant me a parking place right away and close to the building so I don't get soaked? Not concerned about all those other poor people that are going to get soaked. And the words were not completely out of her mouth till she saw this car pulling out of this prime parking spot right up front and this was her response never mind God something just opened up <laughs> that leads us to our first point what faith is not faith is not believing in ourselves and our own abilities that's not faith You know, if I know I can pick up 10 pounds and I go pick it up, that's, that's not really faith when we're talking about Christian faith. Listen to what Jesus said. John 17, 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. His whole life was based on what he was sent to do. Living out his faith. And then in John 8, 28, listen to what he says. 
Then Jesus said to them, now this is coming from the writer who never used the word faith. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. It's not my own doing. It's not my own ability. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And if Jesus had that mindset, then why don't we? Number two in your notes, faith is not blind faith without reason. Faith is not blind faith without reason. Listen to what the scripture says. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So we're never going to grow our faith without hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. That's where our faith is built. And I like what Andy Stanley did, and I shared this on Wednesday night, but I'm going to share it with you again if I can find my note. Well, maybe I can remember them. I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, there it is. I don't have to remember it. Thank you, God. Appreciate those notes. Andy Stanley said this when he started North Point in Atlanta, Georgia in 1995. He said we wanted to, to try to pull together what causes faith to grow. And we began asking all these questions. And he said they come under, under five different categories. And he made this statement uh, that this is not an all-inclusive list. It may not be a real accurate list. But they found that, that if they did five things, created an environment for five different environments, or created this atmosphere, that people's faith would grow. Listen to what he said. This is straight from Andy Stanley. Number one, practical teaching. That should be number one. Faith comes by hearing. The Bible just said that. And hearing by the Word of God. So practical teaching. Providential relationships. You ever had your faith quickened, challenged by people you come in contact with? Sure, we all have. Number three, private discipline. Our faith is going to grow, I believe, in great measure almost proportionally to how much we have private discipline in our life how much we study the word and pray and have commune with God because you're not going to get nearly as much out of Sunday morning if you haven't prepared through the week to get it it's kind of like eating an appetizer and I like my appetizers number four personal ministry one of the areas that you'll be challenged the most is when you're challenged how many of you remember the first time that you were asked to lead a Bible study or teach a Sunday school class? Boy, the nerves that hit. What am I going to say? And then you prepare and you prepare and you prepare and you study for eight or ten hours and in five minutes you're done. Personal ministry. Or the first time you went on a mission trip. The growth that happens. Or Corbin, when you found out that you were assistant worship leader. <laughs> Our faith will grow when we're challenged to those kinds of things. I'm just kidding you, Corbin. And number five, pivotal, pivotal 
circumstances. Things that mark our lives. Tragedies in our life. Good things in our life. That etch in our memory. That cause our faith to grow. He said those five things. We found out that if we can create those kinds of environments. That we'll see people's faith grow. But faith is not blind faith without reason. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. What is that hope? It's faith that God's going to do what he's, he's going to come again. He's going to take care of me. I'm going to be content, as Paul said, in all circumstances. All of those promises of God's word. With meekness and fear. And that was written in the context of a time of persecution. Strong faith gives us hope. Question, how, how do we know Jesus is the Christ? How do we know that? How do, we don't think that he maybe is the Christ. We think that maybe he, he uh, was a good person. We, we know with confidence, with faith, that he is the Messiah. How, how do we know that? Not one of these, I was in the woods one day and I had this great experience with nature and, and now I believe that there has to be something out there and it's a mystical kind of thing. No. We know that because God raised him from the dead. There's evidence publicly. Peter says, we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Not only Peter, but over 500 more people saw it happen. There's evidence that it happened. Not a blind faith. Faith healers today, and, and please don't misunderstand me, God still heals. But there's faith healers today that will tell you if you don't have an arm, you just believe you're going to have an arm and God will grow you another arm. That's hogwash. Claim the promise. Name it and claim it. That's I don't find anywhere in Scripture where we can do that because if that were so, Paul didn't have any faith. Remember that thorn in his flesh? Faith is trust in something that is evident, not magical. Or, But don't see faith as opposite of sight or in contrast to sight. Because you see, the things that we see are the things that help grow our faith. Romans chapter 1 tells us that because of creation, we can understand that there is God. So we see those things. How visible was God to the children of Israel? Listen at the, the, at the progression here. God showed himself through the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the drowning of Pharaoh's men, the manna, the earth opening up, the shining face of Moses, and all of that had happened in the past. And listen to what he said in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24. You will possess the land. Confidence in what God had already done in delivering them. It will be flowing with milk and honey, and it will be your inheritance. The promises that God is who he said he is, and that he'll do what he says he's going to do. Faith. 
real faith. I like what Jimmy Evans said, and I shared this Wednesday night, that God put giants in the promised land to keep unbelievers out. Now that's not out of the Bible, but that was a, I thought it was a pretty neat quote. It's the giants that keep the unfaithful from possessing the land. But those who have faith in what God said he's going to do and will be faithful to move forward are not going to be worried so much about the giants. Could Joshua and Caleb see the future any more than the others? No. Only through the eyes of faith. I told you we were going to talk about Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please don't take that as a blank check. We have to look at all of Scripture in context. So I want to do that this morning with that particular Scripture. Because it's taken so much out of context. I love the t-shirts that say that. It gives me confidence that God gets me through when I can't get me through and I've I've leaned upon my own understanding and God steps in. It really does give me confidence and strength. But it's kind of like the preacher who was a positive thinking preacher and he met a lost man one day and he told him this. He said, as you walk down the street tonight, I want you to repeat these words I'm going to give you. And I want you to repeat them over and over and over in your head until you go to bed. And when you get up in the morning, repeat them three times before you get up. And on your way to your appointment, I want you to repeat them three more times. And do this with an attitude of faith. And you'll receive sufficient strength and ability to deal with your issues. Now, that's good to have positive thinking. Proverbs is full of positive thinking kinds of scriptures. Those who work hard will be blessed. Those who are lazy, slothful, will not be blessed. We ought to do our best. We ought to have positive attitudes. But listen to this. You don't know what power you have within you. You make the world into anything you choose. Yes, you can make your world into whatever you want it to be. Now that's fallacy that's as nice as I can be with it that was Norman Vincent Peale I'm sorry that was Robert Schuller in an Amway motivational tape and Robert Schuller's done a lot of good things but that statement is just false listen to this one this is Norman Vincent Peale page 77 in positive imaging your unconscious mind has a power that turns wishes into realities when the wishes are strong enough in other words if if your wish just doesn't come true then you just don't have enough faith that's not what my Bible says about faith Another one, in Miracle of Seed Faith. Whatever you can conceive and believe, you can do. Okay? I'm going to put this one to the test. Whatever you can conceive and do, you can do. All right. I want you to stand up. Stand up. I want you to stand here until you believe and have faith enough that you can jump up and touch that ceiling. 
And if you believe, if you believe that long enough and strong enough, you'll be able to touch that ceiling. Yeah, but see, there's those those kinds of statements are just false. You know, I don't. Yeah, there's common sense. You know, I, I don't care how much I wish I was seven foot tall. I couldn't think it, imagine it, wish it, because my goal to be seven foot tall was it had really just one goal, and that was to be able to dunk a basketball. Now, probably wasn't in my best interest or God's will for me to be able to dunk a basketball. You can sit down because you're never going to be able to touch that ceiling. Me either. So. But that's how ludicrous some of those statements are. You can't be all-inclusive with all those kinds of statements. And, and I believe we can look at Philippians 4.13. Let's just go there real quick since we're talking about it. I'll get there. says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I want us to look at the context of, of what Paul is saying here. Paul is, uh, well let's just go back to verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. So evidently something's happened, something's changed. Paul's substance, his his well-being, his livelihood has changed. They were supporting him at one time and now they weren't. So he was going through a difficult time. And then he says in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So he's talking about going through some difficult times. He's not talking about being able to uh, jump tall buildings in a single bound or uh, any of those kinds of things. I know how to be abased or be at want, and I, I know how to be abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he makes this statement. And here's what I think we can do with this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Put these in there. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. Because that's the context of what he's talking about. He's not talking about everything. You can't use all as being all-inclusive in every statement. It was a general statement to the context of what Paul was talking about. He was talking about having difficult times. And I can, even in need, and even in hunger, I can still do the things that God has called me to do. I can do all these things that God's called me to do. But it has absolutely nothing to do with a blank check that God just fills in every time we want to do something. Paul makes that clear because he prayed and prayed and prayed for that thorn to be removed from his flesh. And if anybody had faith, I think we can look at the life of Paul and know that Paul had faith. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that again. Now that we've talked about it, the only place in Scripture of all the 244 times that the word faith is used, I think it's 233 different verses, this is the only place that faith is really defined. Listen to what it says. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the world, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Faith defined. Number number one. Definition. Substance. I want to look at a couple of words here. Substance. What is substance? It's only used five different times in all of Scripture. It's a thing that has a foundation or that is firm. It's something that has actual existence. If I say this Bible has substance, that means it's made of something. It's the physical. It has physical attributes the Niagara River plummets some 180 feet at the American and Horseshoe Falls before the falls there are turbulent rapids but further upstream before you get into the rapids where the current flows more gently and boats are there able to uh, navigate and to enjoy the, the river just before it comes into where the Welland River empties into the Niagara Falls there's a walkway that spans across the river and on the pylons of the bridge that walks across the river is a warning sign for boaters you're getting close to the rapids and this is what it says do you have an anchor do you have something of substance for what you're about to get into do you have an anchor and just below that it says this do you know how to use it our faith has substance look at the text again faith is equal to substance of things hoped for it has a foundation. It has an anchor. It's the anchor of our life that keeps us steady during troublesome times. That keeps us focused during the waterfalls of life. But it's also, another word I want to look at there is the word evidence. Proof. Conviction. It's a word that's used twice in the, in the New Testament. The other place that it's used is in 2 Timothy 3.16 when it says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof or conviction, that for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That conviction that proves that there's something wrong in my life. It's the evidence of something being wrong in my life. If I really mess up, the evidence that I've messed up is going to be the consequences that follow. Faith has a substance. It has an anchor. But it is based on the evidence of what we already know. Let me ask you another question, boys and girls. All right, I'm asking you this question. Have you ever seen the wind? 
Have you ever seen the wind? Okay, but have you ever seen the wind? Can you see the air blowing around in here? How do you know that the wind's blowing? Can you feel it? Okay. What, what are some other ways that you can know that the wind is blowing? Tree the, see the trees. Would that be evidence of wind? Evidence of wind? If the trees blew, would that be the consequence of the air blowing through the tree? Yeah. Evidence. Our faith is the same way. There's, there's evidence of why we believe what we believe. It's not just some mystical thing out there in the cosmic atmosphere somewhere. There was a small boy flying a kite one day. He had tied string after string after string onto this kite and it kept climbing higher and higher and higher and higher. And a farmer came up to him and uh, who had been plowing in the field and he saw this little boy over there and he was pulling, just like he was pulling on something. And the farmer looked up and he couldn't see the kite. And he, so he, he yelled at the little boy and said, Hey, what you doing? The little boy said, I'm flying my kite. The farmer looked again. He was relieved that the little boy wasn't in any kind of danger. He said, I can't see any kite. Are you sure there's one up there? The little boy answered. He said, Oh, you can't see it. But I can promise you it's still up there. He said, well, how can you be so sure it's at the end of that string if you can't see it? The little boy was kind of getting bored with this conversation because he knew he had a kite and he was just interested in flying the kite. So he replied back to the farmer with a little bit of disgust. And he said, because you don't have to see it, mister, when you can feel the tug. Isn't our faith a lot like that? How many times has God just tugged at your heart? Maybe He's doing that this morning. How many times have you looked for that spot in Walmart and your day's just falling apart and God just does some things that you know it has to be God? Maybe you're in a hurry and you've done all you can do to be there on time and you hit every one of those lights. They're all green. Or maybe they're just not quite red. They're, you know, at the end of the... I went through one yesterday and Gina said, boy, that was a long yellow light. I said, yep, they made that one just for me. Maybe that was Friday. I don't know what day is Friday, maybe. But that tugging that God does at our heart, there has to be something to that. That's the evidence that He's still there. You can't see Him. Your neighbor can't see Him, but boy, they can sure see the results of Him working in your life. The evidence. I like what Kent Crockett says. Is He says, through faith we can believe in things that we can't see. Based upon God's revelation that they do indeed exist. God's like the little boy with the string. And he knows that he knows that he knows. That there's a kite there. Well, also in our text, we can see faith defined by example. Look at verse 2. The elders, the great heroes of our faith. For by it, by what? By faith. 
the elders obtained a good testimony. Think about the people you've known of strong faith. Good testimony there in any of those lives? Well, I can think of some godly women in our home church. There wasn't any doubt. You didn't have to see the kite. There just wasn't any doubt. You knew that there was something there besides uh, just a mystical belief in something. That that had some substance to it. It had an anchor. Go read that Heroes of the Faith through the end of the remainder of Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is also defined by explanation. Look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The psalmist says this in Psalm 33, 6 and 9. It says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. You know, we can only understand that by faith. None of us were there. I don't think we were when God spoke the world into order. But we can see evidence after evidence after evidence that there had to be something besides some big massive explosion. Think about the DNA of our body. Now scientists have been able to discover, and that's a good word to use, not create, because we don't create anything. God creates, we discover. But think about the DNA in our body and, and how unique and crafted out that is down to just such a way that there's just no way you could blow something up and it fall back together like that. And the intricate working of our eyeballs and the way our ears work and you know, I was told this by a nurse one day and I, and I just took it for truth. Think about all of our openings in our body, I guess is a way to put it. All of our openings in our body work to expel. We talk out. We sneeze, comes out. Our ears work differently. And I don't understand all of that. But if... And when you swallow, there's little things in here that automatically start making stuff go down your throat. You know, and... They're not in your finger. They're in your throat. How does all that just blow up and come back together like that? I want you to try something. I want you to get a stick of dynamite and blow your car up and just keep doing it over and over and over until it finally comes back together as a car. How much sense does that make? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, and we probably watch too much of TV. I can say that for myself anyway. But Romans eight or Romans chapter one says this: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now, how do you see invisible attributes? It's the evidence. It's just like the wind blowing and we see the trees moving. When God moves, you can see the evidence of God moving. Changed lives. 
healed babies, relationships mended, broken hearts put back together. We can't see God doing those things, but boy, we can sure see the evidence of it. In your notes, I like what John Phillips said. Faith is a reality. It reaches out to facts that are more solid, more real, more substantial, and more eternal than anything registered by our physical senses. It's a reality. When you ever experience the relationship with Jesus Christ that can cause that faith to begin to grow, and that's the first step, by the way, of having faith. Just believing that God is who he said he was and that he'll do what he said he's going to do. That he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sin and mine. That's the first step. And then to be able to experience the things by growing your faith day by day. Getting into situations and environments like John, like uh, Andy Stanley talked about. Putting yourself in those positions where you can grow your faith. I don't know where you're at today, but for me, that's a lot better way than the way I lived my life before Christ. A lot better way. You say, well, what if, what if everything you believe is just a fallacy? Well, if, if I die and find out that to be true, which I'm not going to, but I will have lived a better life having faith. With learning how to be content, as Paul says. With having the peace that passes all understanding. But I have assurance in what God has done. I've seen Him work. And I can believe with confidence that He'll continue to do what He says He's going to do. Because He's never failed me yet. Let's pray together.